0: Rick is the founder of Nemanik Leadership Consulting. He is an organizational psychologist and board-certified coach who helps clients maximize their organizational and leadership development efforts. Rick's consulting efforts include strategic planning, facilitation, design, implementing, and managing mentoring programs, executive coaching, leader training, management change, customized seminars, workshops, and training, in addition to being a speaker and an author. Rick, welcome to the Unique CPA.
1: Thank you, Randy. And, and boy, that's that's uh, Did I send you that bio. That sounds pretty long. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I stole it from various places,
0: but I, I, you do a lot of things. So I want to make sure and I didn't even touch on a lot of it. A big part of the ad you do and I didn't mention speaker, but I've seen you at speaking events actually a few times this year. But I know you've been out on the speaking circuit for quite a while, right?
1: One Of my favorite things to do, I can't believe people pay me to do it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I just enjoy getting out in front of that crowd, that audience. So,
1: yeah, I'm um, like, like you guys are going to pay me too. Well, I mean, that's yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> I was just gonna talk. I do that you know, all the time,
0: right? So, so, but you do a great job. Um, uh, the last one we were at, I only got to stand, spend about 10 minutes in because I had to go do a webinar, but the 10 minutes was riveting so thank you for well that. after
1: that one downhill uh right away and uh, pitchforks came out <laughs> that was a great one that was in tucson right that was in tucson yeah that was a good event it was nice yeah, it was fun. That, was, that was one of my
0: well it was i was gonna say one of my first in person in a while but i think i had been to a handful before that and a handful since but i think i'm grounded now for a while so <laughs> so we'll see all right so so let's let's jump into this so obviously we're the unique cpa our audience is cpas you yeah. and i talked. And I tell everybody, there's a couple things we want to do. We want to have fun. You and I already started laughing. I'm having fun. So hopefully you are too. (laughs) But we want to educate CPAs. And so I know everything you're talking about probably can be, you know, generalized to every industry. But in general, I guess, Every industry is having an issue with employee retention right now with retaining employees, attracting employees, keeping employees. And public accounting has had this problem for quite a while, it seems like. To me, it seems like longer than the general public has had and the general population of businesses have had. You've written this book called The Mentor's Way, which mentoring employees seems like a no-brainer. I probably you know, have thought about, but never thought about it as putting like, hey, let's put something real into action that we could do. The first time I really started thinking about this was when I had a guest on the podcast, oh, it might be a year ago now, Skeet Haig, he's managing partner of a CPA firm in Memphis. And he started telling me about this mentoring program they have in place. And I was just in awe. It was just amazing to me what they were doing. So I think, just talking about mentoring in general would be great if you can share your knowledge today. And I know in your book, you've got eight rules for bringing out the best in others. So maybe if we can, you know, go through those eight rules and tell us, you know, in a, I guess we're not going to be able to read a 150
1: page book right now, but give us the, <laughs> the, the uh, recap of, of highlights we need to know. Let me just kind of go back and talk about when I started with all of this. Yeah. And yeah. It was- I was a, a baby consultant. I was a, a very young and I was doing you started
0: as a baby consultant? as a baby. I started
1: right. when I was five years old. It feels wow, like this amazing. So I've been doing it for 25 years and I can't be that old. I, no, <laughs> but I was doing change management consulting with Anheuser-Busch and their IT department, the CIO asked me to help put together a mentoring program. And I was like a couple years out of graduate school. I'm like, I've never done that but I did have friends in the accounting industry and I knew that this has been a big thing for accountants for years. And so I went and talked to uh, several accountants, probably about a dozen or so across different firms. And I said, tell me about your experience with mentoring. And what I discovered is mentoring is very popular among accountants. A lot of firms love mentoring, have mentoring programs. The problem was that they don't tell people how to do it. And so, like you said, it should be a no brainer. Put two people together and off you go, except for what I find is some people have an amazing experience with no help. They just jump in, they go. Uh, the person being mentored just kind of takes charge and runs, or sometimes the person doing the mentoring takes charge. But most of the time in these programs, what I was finding is, well, we would we would have lunch maybe once a quarter, and that was nice. And I said, well, what'd you get out of it? And they, lunch? I got lunch out of it, right? <laughs> And so I was like, well, there's got to be a lot more to it than that. And so, uh, what I've been, you know, doing over the last twenty some odd years with mentoring is trying to help organizations not just say we have a program, but you know, help people get the most out of the program and teaching the mentors and pe- teaching people being mentored how to do it. All right, That's see. The- that I would unfortunately be the guy that hey let's go to lunch and we got lunch
0: out of it. So I need to be educated. I think uh, probably more than anybody listening. So why don't you educate me?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, there's a number of ingredients that go into good mentoring, and it starts with what does the person being mentored want to learn? What is it that they're hungry for? Now, when you're you know fresh out of school and you're you know working with your first jobs as a CPA, or maybe you're still even studying for the exams. There's a lot of technical stuff you'll gotta learn. This might be your first real office job and so there's all that stuff. And so, you know, you're already in that kind of hungry mode. And so it's not difficult when, you know, you have first years getting right out of college and, and getting their first CPA job. It's just when they get further and further into it, the stuff that they want to work on it doesn't come as quickly and, and is more long-term stuff. And so what I always try to help firms do is when you have that person who's maybe a senior now, maybe they're leading a small team or whatever, is helping them you know, get the most out of a, a mentor by thinking about, well, what is it that I want to learn? Where do I see myself in the next three to five years? What career trajectory am I on? And then what can this person who has volunteered to mentor me help me with? And so that's the, the first thing is really creating space and, and creating structure for people being mentored to say, what can I get out of this so I can lead my mentor to help lead me? Does that make sense?
0: Yes, because you're the one that should be getting something out of this, not the what? mentor. Although I'm assuming the mentor gets something out of it as well.
1: Oh, yeah. Mentor, it is amazing how often like, I'll be finishing up a mentoring program and I'll, I'll get mentors coming to me and saying, I, I kind of feel guilty, Rick. And I said, why? And he says, I feel like I got more out of this than my mentee did. Right. And I'll like, go, oh, trust me, your mentee got a lot out of this. So All right. All um, right. don't worry about that.
0: So the first thing is make sure you're, as the mentor, following what the mentee is that the right word? <laughs> exactly.
1: Or protege. I use both. And that's why that first rule of mentoring uh, I talk about is lead by following. Okay. So you got to empower the person you're going to be mentoring to take the lead with you because you don't know what they need. Exactly. You know, like I said, when you're, you know, when you're fresh and you're just starting out, I probably do know more about what you need to learn because you haven't done this before. Right. But after a couple of years, I need to find out what you want and, and what you want to learn so I can, I can, you know, be the mentor that you need. Nice.
0: Okay. I get it. I, I, all right. I'm one for one.
1: All right. You are. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and let me just take an even bigger step back and just talk about why do firms do this to begin with? Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned in your, in your uh, initial question that a lot of companies, especially CPA firms, are struggling with talent. And even before the pandemic, before the great resignation, this was always one of the top five you know, concerns that AICPA would get back in their, their studies of firms of all different sizes, the ability to find talent and retain it. And so you know, when, they, when they do the research on mentoring and mentoring programs, one of the biggest things that they find is if someone has a mentor, they are that much more likely to stay with an organization or stay longer than they might have otherwise. And so it's a big tool for retention, but also a big tool for developing people, especially, you know, as they start acquiring some of those more leadership skills that aren't necessarily taught in undergrad that are going to be you know, necessary for you to start leading teams for you to maybe, you know, start ma- making your way toward, you know, more uh, senior practice roles
0: all right all right well that, that, that retaining employees is key um although technology maybe is helping somewhat in public accounting uh, um, <laughs> but but the people are still the key
1: oh you know what you that word you just said there the technology that's the thing that actually is a side benefit you asked what do the mentors get out of it is you know sometimes especially if a, a mentor has been in the business for a while. Sometimes a younger uh, protege, especially around technology, can do reverse mentoring, which is kind of opening their eyes to or demystifying or taking some of the some of the scary away from some of the technology that, you know, the younger accountants are like, yeah, that's second nature to me. And the older ones are like, oh, God, I don't know (laughs) if I want to touch that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So let's go. Let's move on to mentoring and mentee skills that we need to work on.
1: Right, so I talked a little bit about from the mentor standpoint to lead by following. And again, the flip side of that is for the the person being mentored to kind of take the lead. Uh, But then that second rule is to chart a course, which is where do you see yourself going? What, you know, how do you envision your career unfolding over the next three to five years? And mentors can play an important role by creating the time and space, because how often do you as a CPA, you know, sit back and, and put your hands behind your head and say, what do I want to be doing in three to five years? That, mm-hmm. That's a luxury if you do that at all. Right. But if a mentor is asking you that, now you have permission and, and some time to do that. And so giving you some time to think about that and then folding in the leading by following. And now you have two of the most important components is the protege knows what she or he wants. And then the mentor knows, how can I help you?
0: And that that's a key question I had then, because I still don't know what I want. So what I want, changes over time. What I want to be, I mean, three to five years ago, I wouldn't have told you I was hosting a podcast. I wouldn't have told you that I, you know, I've been out doing, you know, as many or more webinars on educating on tax aspects than anybody else out there, I feel. I assume there has to be some kind of flexibility in this charting of a course.
1: Exactly. And that's the, the thing is, one, it's driven by the person being mentored. Two, it's not written in stone, and I always have to tell the protégés that, so we'll be doing a kickoff for, say, a 10-month or 12-month program where they're going to be working with, you know, a more senior accountant who's going to be mentoring them. And I tell them, sometimes the goals you set are really just three to six months out, if that. Sometimes they're three to five years out, but a lot of times they're three to six months, and let's just get started. And see well what can I learn, where can we go, and as you start on a journey, then the the trail ahead of you starts unfolding, and then you get you can get longer, longer vision. So sometimes I tell the people being mentored, just kind of focus on you know what the trail ahead of you for like yeah, three to six months, and then see where we end up.
0: Perfect. All right, flexibility key. Yes. All right.
1: And then I think about for the mentors especially, your job is to create a safe place for this kind of exploration for me to ask dumb questions or what feel like dumb questions right where i won't feel like you're going to judge me where i won't feel foolish for not knowing something and so the mentor really has to create that space where you know i want to see you succeed i want you to ask whatever questions you need and i'm not going to judge you for the questions you ask and also just the part of the safe space is giving me time to think about this stuff you know, and time to ask these bigger questions. Uh, I was looking at an article um, a few days ago and it looked at, they they took an analysis of how many working hours are there in an average CPAs year. And they started subtracting out, you know, the billable time and the administrative time. And they asked how many hours a year does a typical cpa have that they can devote to mentoring and when they looked at like you know your your entry level accountants it was something under 20 hours a year mm-hmm. that weren't already spoken for right that that you have and so i might feel guilty taking that for myself and saying oh let me think about my career with that 20 hours i get unless a mentor is there kind of protecting that time yep. and saying no it's okay you can you can think about that
0: yeah Nice. And I'm assuming that part of that safe place is just building that relationship, too. You know, you have to feel comfortable with your mentor and your mentee, right. or you're not going to be comfortable asking those dumb or, you know, what felt to dumb questions.
1: Yeah. And that's the other part of the safe place. And this is one where I see a lot of firms struggle is they put the person who is asked to mentor in an evaluative position relative to the person being mentored. And that creates a challenge because I want you to be vulnerable with me. If I'm your mentor, I want you to ask dumb questions. But then if I'm also being asked to you know, look at the engagements you've been on and looking at the feedback and I'm, I'm having to give you feedback and then report to the partnership on how's how's Randy doing, mm-hmm. that creates a difficult position for me and for you because you're like, well, do I really want to tell Rick everything I'm worried about because he also has to go talk to the other partners about me? So. Whenever possible, and this is not always possible with some some of the smaller firms, but if you can separate the role of kind of supervisor evaluator from the role of mentor, that creates more safety and, and opens up you know bigger conversations.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And, and again, like you said, the bigger the firm, probably the more likely you can do that, the smaller the firm. You just have to work around what you have.
1: You do, you do. And, and I, you know, I see this work at smaller firms all the time. It's just, you have to go in recognizing the limitations and being conscious of those.
0: All right, well, let's, uh, what's, what's next? What, what are you gonna teach me?
1: Right, so the next rule is I think the hardest for smart technical professionals, and I'm talking about accountants, but also uh, I've done this with scientists, I've done this with engineers, is a good question will always be good advice. And what does that mean? You have someone who's coming to you and they got questions, right? They want to figure out how do they do things better, differently, whatever it is. And your temptation, because you are a problem solver, is to say, here's what you ought to do. And the rule I have here is find a good question to ask to get them thinking. Okay. So don't just give advice. Don't just say, well, here's what you ought to try. It's like, well, what have you tried already, right? So if you, like, let's say uh, that you have you know someone you're mentoring and they have a client who is a pain very demanding but also unresponsive and so you come to me and said I got this client who is always demanding uh, things right away fast turns on things but when I come back with questions I have to ask three or four times before I get any kind of response what do I do and the mentor is like well let's talk about this and let's let's tell you what I've done before and that's tempting. But mm-hmm. what, are you, what are you missing in that? What do you think, Randy? If, if you're the person being mentored, what, what am I robbing you of if I tell you what I would do?
0: Well, just the ability to think through the problem yourself and try to come up with a solution. And then let's talk about that solution and and see if that's a, a good way to handle it. Does that exactly. make sense? Ah.
1: Exactly. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, clearly. No, and that's, that's a, a gift that you're giving. And a lot of times, We're just in that, let me solve the problem mode, right? And I I struggle with this rule myself. When I'm mentoring or when I do my executive coaching, I often have to remind myself I have an answer, but not necessarily the answer. But what's more important is they're more likely to own the answer that comes out of their mouth than the one that comes out of mine. Nice. So getting good at asking questions as opposed to just telling.
0: Yep. No, I like that a lot. I like that. All right, let's keep going. I'm getting educated and I'm getting excited.
1: (laughs) Well, so, you know, once you've kind of established a framework and you're starting to ask questions, I think another big thing is I'm going to skip a rule here and I'll come back to the other one in a minute, but is creating that accountability to do stuff that maybe isn't your day-to-day job. And so if you think about your long-term growth and development, you know, what would that entail for a CPA? Maybe I have to get another certification right? If I want to specialize in an area and if I want to be competitive, or maybe I need to do more business development. Well, those are things that, you know, are usually in addition to on the side of your day-to-day job and something that you're probably not being asked about every day. And so having a mentor who can say, hey, Randy, you mentioned looking into that certification and this training class you were going to sign up for, you know, have you done that yet? What I find is sometimes. Having a mentor asking you about that can you know, really kind of close the gap on you doing it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a story. My wife, a story of a, a woman I was mentoring, so not a CPA, but a fellow psychologist. I was mentoring her, and one of the things we hit on was she wanted to get better at public speaking, like a lot of us do, right? And it's something that, that I know for me and you probably comes pretty easily, but for a lot of folks it doesn't. Right. And the thing we hit on was, um, going to Toastmasters, which of course struck a terror in her heart. Right? Like, <laughs> oh my God, Toast? I couldn't go to that. You know, talk about talk about you know someone you know fear of snakes going to be a snake handler at the zoo. Right. So it took her four or five months between you know the first time I asked her, and we would meet every month, and I would say, hey, did you did you have a chance to go to Toastmasters? And she said, oh God, no. And I said, you know, if, you're, if you don't think you're going to go, I'll quit asking. She said, no, no, I want you to ask me because I need to go. So here's the funny thing. We were in a, a program, a formal program, and the program ended and she still hadn't gone. And I thought, you know, no big deal. You know, not everyone's going to do everything. And and then about a month after the program ended, I got a call out of the blue. And she said, what are you doing Friday morning? <laughs> I said, well, I don't know. What, what, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. And she said, you need to go with me. You need to, or I'm not gonna go and so you know she really was leaning into that accountability and she knew she needed to do it she knew it was uh, something that she's afraid of but she also knew that she needed someone there to kind of pull her along and so creating that accountability not not in the you know I'm gonna write you up or I'm gonna give you a bad evaluation or whatever that kind of accountability but more you know the the friend who asks you about something that you know you need to do
0: right right
1: and that 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 kind of um, comes back to the prior rule of,
0: of- I can see how you were transitioning into this next one, that nice.
1: Yeah, balancing empathy with action because when you're creating that kind of accountability, you don't wanna just say, hey, have you done that? And if you haven't, well, you need to, to say, well, what's getting in the way? What, what are you worried about? What are you concerned about it? And demonstrating some level of empathy because if someone truly is growing through mentoring and getting outside their comfort zone, Outside your comfort zone can be scary. Right. And sometimes it helps to let them be scared for a minute and talk about that and verbalize that and not to just kind of blow it away like ah that's no big deal to say yeah that's legit i get that you know and you know what can we do to help you get more comfortable or whatever right. it is.
0: So we had a, a, a webinar yesterday that we put on, and it was you know about some new rules regarding research and development tax credits that uh, some IRS rules and then some state rules, and and so I actually had some of our our internal experts on, which normally I'm doing most of the speaking, and two of them I knew would be fine and comfortable with with talking, and one I wasn't sure, and so he's very bright, knows the stuff communicates it real well, but has not ever done any public speaking. So, so I was with him and I'm like, Hey, you know, you, I won't use his name now, but you know, this stuff, I am more than happy to, to be the one presenting, but you're really going to communicate this better than I am. I feel if you don't want to do it I'll do it. That's fine. You just you just set the stage for me and, and I'll do it. And that that's how it went and then overnight he thought about it. The next morning he goes, "You know what? I'm going to present this. I will do it." So I don't know if I was doing one of these uh, mentoring type <laughs> skills, but I I think that was great for him to get out in front of the people and do it.
1: Yeah, and I think knowing that you were there to have his back, knowing that, you know, you wouldn't let him fail, probably created a floor under him that he's like, "Okay, all right, let me, I do, I'm going to give this a try.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, great. All right. So I am mentoring a little bit. All right. So. You're
1: doing a great, well, <laughs> that's the thing is, you know, a lot of us have this capability and probably are doing some form, maybe even in small doses of mentoring all the time. And we're also getting mentored right. uh, by other folks all the time. Uh, when I was writing my book, I reached out to another consultant. She does different kind of consulting. She does not-for-profit consulting and board development. But she had written at this point nine different books and I was still working on number one. And and so having, you know, someone to report to, but also someone, you know, to help me think through ideas and, and you know, sometimes get some good advice. The piece of advice that she gave me was write every day. Right. Okay. And, and so what I would do for a couple of years is I would start, you know, my day, you know, probably three, four days a week, you know, spending half hour, 45 minutes writing. And that was a you know a great idea. And it really kind of helped me turn the corner. Nice.
0: Nice. I guess another thing that, that then the, when you just said that, that I got out of this yesterday, well, we set the stage over the last few days doing this, is I wrote the presentation, at least the segments, and then they had their portions. And I, in my mind, had this idea, this is the way this should flow. And then when we all sat and talked about it, everybody was like, no, let's do this. Let's move this. Let's do this. And then I look back, I go that makes a lot more sense. I, you know, I probably need to get more input on the flow of my presentations when I do them because I have this mindset that this is the way it goes. And so I felt, I, I guess, now that I look at it, I was being mentored in that. And, and I think it worked much better the way they suggested that. So.
1: Well, that's what I'm hoping is when, when folks take this approach to mentoring, is you're co-creating someone's learning. The mentee is kind of saying, here's what I want to learn, here's what I want to go, help me figure this out. The mentor is trying some things out, asking some questions, maybe dropping in some advice, and approaches, you know, saying that does work, doesn't work, and and hopefully, and this is one that uh, is more for people being mentored, is give your mentor some feedback, right, on Mm -hmm. what is and what is not working. What you're kind of describing is, you had something laid out, but then you were open to their feedback, and then you're able to make adjustments and adaptations. A lot of times mentors get very little feedback on the mentoring. Right. Uh, that's usually one of the biggest gaps that I see is, you know, I'll be I'll be doing an evaluation. We'll do a big survey evaluation of a mentoring program. And the thing we'll get back from a lot of the mentors is not that they had a, a bad time, but they didn't get as much out of it or they didn't enjoy it as much as the mentee. Unless the mentee had made it a concerted effort to sit down and say, "Hey, Randy, let me let me kind of go through the last couple of meetings you had, you and I had, and and here's what I learned from you," and then that mentor was like, "Oh, okay, this was worthwhile."
0: Nice. And I think Skeet had mentioned that when I talked to him that they do something like that, like the like the mentor is even graded on what they're doing, and I'm not sure grading is the right term, but there is some some accountability set in place for the mentor. As well as the mentee, which which was nice to see. All right, let's let's. I think we got two more things on the uh, on the rules list.
1: Yeah. So the the second to last one is to fill the toolkit, and what that basically is: don't be afraid to assign homework. Look for other things to bring into mentoring. And so I find a lot of a lot of times once I know what you want to learn about, I have a new filter, if you will, as I look at emails or if I as I you know listen to podcasts or things like that. And suddenly, I might be like, "Oh, I'm listening to this uh, this episode of Randy's podcast, and I'm going to send this to the person I'm mentoring because this is something that she's interested in." I and know. so, you know, assigning podcasts or articles to read, some job shadowing, things like that, some special assignments—those are things that are also part of mentoring that mentors don't often think of as mentoring tools, but those are definitely part of mentoring. And so, bringing in homework and bringing in those extra resources. Can be really beneficial.
0: Okay, set so the toolkit. And the one key thing I I heard you just say is now I know who my one listener is. So that was you. So okay, <laughs> right, well wait, now I I've solved that uh, uh, mystery. All the <laughs>
1: advertisers are like, okay, what's this guy's name? Uh, yeah,
0: exactly. You're gonna you're gonna start getting these very directed emails now to you that they found out it's you. So all right, <laughs> and then and then the last one, um, honoring the journey.
1: Yeah. And so this is one and you know the talk about feedback kind of setting this one up but is mentoring has a natural cycle to it right and this is both formal programs that have an end date have an expiration date on them but also just mentoring that happens on its own and you know I always encourage mentors and proteges when they come to the end especially of a formal program when you know it's coming right. is to reflect and to talk and to talk about the experience and have the projet really look at what did i go into mentoring wanting to learn what did i learn against that but what else did i learn along the way and then make sure i share some of that with my mentor and i have a whole list of questions when i do my training on this mm-hmm. a whole list of questions reflection ones for the protégé is to say when you're coming up on the end Ask yourself the seven or eight questions, and then use that for, to prepare some feedback for your mentor.
0: Nice. Let me ask you one question, because this whole time we've been talking, I've been thinking about this. I just had something, I was just quoted in accounting today. I think it came out yesterday. I guess it's, it ties in with this, but I think it was basically, it didn't say it this way, but mentoring the next generation was the key of it, advice mm-hmm. to the next generation. And one of the things that I talked about that I think is important is helping people find their passion within the business, but maybe that passion isn't within the business. Maybe that passion is what they do outside the business, but is there a way they can take that passion and make it part of what they're doing, part of their job, or at least take that same passion they have and pour it into something else. So along this whole path, you know, because in my mind, if you enjoy what you're doing, if you have a passion for it, you're going to do it much better. And it's just going to shine through to everybody. Hey, This person, she loves what she's doing, you know, because one, she's been able to meld this passion with work, which is what I feel I'm at right now, which is just unbelievable. I mean, I never expected this in in my life to to have this type of passion for what I'm doing. I always enjoy work, but the passion's there. So in this whole process, I'm assuming you're helping identify these things, too. I don't want to just be this generalist tax preparer. I love the trucking industry and so right. if I can become the expert in accounting for trucking, you know, companies, you know, I'm going to enjoy it that much more. I assume things like that pop up in here, right? Yeah, well,
1: that's part of charting a course. And so in charting a course, one of the things I teach about is the different stages of what I call career exploration. Sometimes we're in that I'm open for anything. Let me let me look around and let me try to figure it out. And so as a mentor, I can then say, well, here are the different niche practice areas our firm has. Here are the different industry groups we have. And let me give you a tour and talk about that. And maybe there's one that's just getting started that you might want to kind of grab onto. Mm-hmm. And so there's that. But then there's also, the, uh, the person who, once they find their niche, once they find a thing they are passionate about, is to, they, you know, they become what I call a homesteader, which is like, all right, how do I really grow my skills? How do I set myself apart here and not just be good enough, but be the person that, that you know, clients keep coming back to, that partners wanna work with, that people wanna give me work, things like that. And so it's all within that charting a course is finding out what, what really clicks in for you. You know, yeah. and, and sometimes it's the, the work itself and maybe like you said, I really love the trucking industry. I want to go deep there. It might be that I really like business development and I find maybe some of my peers aren't as comfortable with that. And maybe I want to learn more about how do I do that kind of client development and business development, knowing that I'll be good at accounting, but if I'm great at, at uh, building a book of business, right. I'll be really valuable.
0: And then that's part of that communication with your mentor, and then your mentor helping you hone those skills or find areas you can hone those skills, and not always giving you the answers, but helping you find the correct answers. All right, I I think I'm catching on. I'm going to have to go to the uh, the Rick Nemenik School of Mentoring <laughs> so I can I can get better at this. And speaking of that, obviously this is something you do as a consulting. Yeah. What what it, you know I I can't imagine people aren't going to be interested because. I could keep talking all day on this, but if people want to get more information on this or your other services or you in general, you know, Rick Nemanic PhD, I didn't say afterwards before, but I think <laughs> that was implied. How do they get a hold of you?
1: So nemanik.com So N-E-M-A-N-I-C-K.com. Really easy. Uh, and you can look me up, read all about the stuff that I do. Mentoring is the one I'm most passionate about. You talk about finding your passion. That's the one I'm most passionate about. I do a lot of other things on leadership development and executive coaching, but mentoring is something I really enjoy. And the great thing now that the pandemic has opened up is the, the training that I do that historically had been done primarily in person is something that I've been delivering you know, virtually online for, well, I've been doing it for a number of years, But boy, with with as good as Zoom has gotten, it's been so much easier to just drop into wherever folks need me and teach them about mentoring. Yeah,
0: well, that's great. And then before we final wrap up, This, and I've been saying this in the last three episodes, because I stopped for a while. For some reason, I stopped asking this final question, and this goes back to what I just talked about with passion. So I'm putting this back in, is what are your passions outside of work? What do you like doing? What is, when when Rick's not uh, teaching people how to be great mentors, uh, what do you do for fun?
1: For fun? Well, one thing is I I like running. Um, That does not sound fun. 17 (laughs) half marathons and one one full marathon all right nice Uh, and it's something i just got hooked into by a friend of mine who was kind of my running mentor early on about about 12 years ago so there's that uh and I'm, i'm passionate about where i grew up and where i live i live in st louis and i serve on the airport commission here and so you know i'm passionate about seeing seeing the city really kind of continue to improve and continue to ascend
0: and that is what Lambert is the
1: Lambert, Lambert airport. In fact, yeah. that was our big announcement this week is Lufthansa is starting nonstop service between St. Louis and Frankfurt next year. So oh, I can't nice. wait to go.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Well, hopefully we'll all be opened up and be uh, and no issue traveling. Uh, I've been yep. in that airport a lot. So I'll think of you every time I walk through. In fact, the next time I'm in town, you and I are going to go grab a beer. Um, I look forward to that. All right. All right. Any Any final thoughts before we close it up here?
1: The only final thought I'll say is, and I didn't, we didn't really get to, is I know a number of firms are trying to start up or really lean into their uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, mm-hmm. and mentoring can play a really critical role in that, both when people are first starting out, just to learn the ropes uh, and feel like they're they're welcome and have a home at a firm, but also in that longer term growth and development when a lot of times. You know, when you hit some of those middle years, and people want to question, do I stay in public accounting? Having a mentor who can say, "Yeah, you can find a way to make it work," and trying to make sure we're especially paying attention to you know the diversity, equity, and inclusion that a lot of us value, but sometimes don't know what to do about it.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's great. Yeah. So definitely look Rick up, see what he's doing, see how he can help. And Rick, I really appreciate you. We we postponed this once, I think, on my, my end. So I apologize <laughs> for that. So thanks for being flexible. And thanks. I really appreciate you being on.
1: Hey, thank you, Randy. It's great chatting with you.
0: Yeah, you too. And I want to thank everybody for listening today. Thank you for joining us today, and you can find all the links and show notes for today's episode, as well as more about Trimerit at theuniquecpa.com. Remember to subscribe and join us for our next episode, where we'll be going beyond compliance into forging new pathways of delivering value to clients, diversifying your revenue streams, and leading-edge management techniques and styles.
1: This has been a production of Twin Flame Studios.